Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doralstown Presbyterian Church. As our podcast audience continues to grow, I want to thank our loyal listeners and welcome those who may have just recently found us. We know that life can quickly become busy, so this podcast offers an on-the-go opportunity to hear Sunday's sermon, along with the scripture lesson read by that day's lay leader or preacher. We also encourage you to visit our website at dtownpc.org to learn more about our church and all of our diverse ministries. Thank you for tuning in. The scripture reading today is taken from the book of John, chapters, chapter 10, verses 21 to 40, and it can be found in the New Testament portion of your pew Bible on page 104. Please listen for the word of our Lord. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I will give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, in regard to what he has given me, is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. In our culture, that expression speaks of those moments when one can see in a child attributes of her or his parents, the ones that have given them life, the ones that have raised them. And so there can be moments when there is a physical resemblance. There can be times when there's a similarity in terms of actions or personality or even vocation. I think most of us have experienced that kind of occasion when we've known more than one person in the same household of a different generation, and we can look on the younger one with both a smile and a sense of wonder as to how that happens. But then there are moments that we see that happen in ourselves when the ones who come after us begin to display something they have seen in us. And quite frankly, it can be jarring. My father used to tell the story of a time when he and my then eight-year-old brother were riding together in a car. Even though the sibling of mine was only in second grade at that point, He'd already picked up on the fact that when dad was driving, he would often talk to other drivers. (laughs) I think you know what I mean. It wasn't a kind of thing where he would have this hands-free cell phone, because certainly that didn't exist in those days, nor was it the kind of experience where at a stop light, he would roll down the window and engage in conversation about road conditions. No, it was those kinds of moments when from behind the safety of his own windshield and steering wheel, 
he would comment on the driving behavior of others. Now, were my children present this morning, they could likely tell you they've seen the same trait in their father as I could say about them. But this isn't about any of us on this day, but instead about this moment when my father and brother were riding together. On this particular day, as they were heading down the road, some other driver violated my father's code of appropriate etiquette on the road. Either zoomed by or cut them off, I'm not really clear about that. And uncharacteristically, dad was quiet in that moment. But apparently, my brother glared at the driver who had gone by and said, you crazy teenage driver. It was actually worse than that, but I've edited it down here for this. <laughs> and while I'd like to say that after that, my, my father guarded his mouth more when he was driving the one of us in the car, my hunch is it only became yet another one of those moments that parents often discover in which their behavior, whether or not it would be their preference, gets noticed and lived on. We see that attribute described in the passage just before us. And it's a moment that actually speaks of how that is a gift. For it comes in the moment when Jesus says, in response to some hostile questioners, I and the Father are one. That response occurred on a day that John tells us was happening during the dedication festival, something we refer to as Hanukkah. Jesus was in the temple area of Jerusalem and had been teaching there when some of the Jewish leadership came up to him and said, how long will you leave us in suspense? Tell us plainly, are you the Messiah or not? Now, to understand the background for that question, it's helpful to know that already Jesus is beginning to raise that question, or at least his actions are raising that question in the lives of those who have witnessed what he is doing. His teaching contained a kind of power and insight that individuals had never heard before. There had been moments of healing, and this time when he fed this large crowd with only a few loaves of bread and fish, Both of those at Jesus' hands and those who saw it told others. And just prior to our passage, there was that moment when Jesus, in continuing with those self-identifying statements, known as the I am statements found in John's Gospel, that he says to the crowd, I am the good shepherd. Now to Jewish ears of that era, that was in essence declaring that he was the Messiah. For in ancient Israel, only God was viewed as the true shepherd. And so we're told just prior to our passage that the Jewish leaders hear this and they begin to argue among themselves about who in fact this man is. And so it is immediately afterwards in John's narrative that some of them come up to Jesus and say, how long will you keep us in suspense? Now, literally, that phrase means, how long will you keep taking away our breath? Or, how long will you keep annoying us? They want an answer. Maybe 
so that they can be clear in their own mind and win the argument with the other, maybe because they want to arrest him, maybe both. But in response, Jesus says to them, I've already told you, but you do not believe. The works that I carry out in my Father's name bear witness to him, and yet you do not believe. He goes on and adds to that shepherd imagery, saying that the reason they don't understand is because they are not part of his flock, and that his sheep will have eternal life. His sheep can never be snatched away from God, and it is after all of that that he says, I and the Father are one. That phrase in the Bible was the basis for an extensive church argument in the fourth century. Already there was questions that quickly after Jesus had walked the earth as to his real identity. Was he truly the Son of God? Or was he just a good man who had served so well that God had adopted him? It became such a critical issue that there were two church councils in the fourth century that dealt with that issue and resulted in the document we know as the Nicene Creed. And as part of our worship service today, we will be using for our affirmation the key lines in that creed that dealt with that question. At the same time, that statement from Jesus literally stands at the center of John's Gospel the actual halfway point, suggesting that it's sort of the hinge of the whole book and that it's the most critical thing John wants the reader to know about Jesus. It's a moment then when Jesus is clearly articulating that he has the full authority of God in all that he does, even if others don't recognize it. During World War II, John Eisenhower served on the staff of his father, General Dwight D. Eisenhower, the Allied commander of all the the Allied forces. And one day, the senior Eisenhower sent his son to a colonel at the front line with some instructions. And when the younger Eisenhower found the officer, he said to him, my dad says you should watch your right flank. The colonel said, really? And what does your mommy say? (laughs) Jesus had come to understand that simply sharing the words of his father would would not be enough for many of that era. And so in this moment, he was saying, the works that I do, The actions that I carry out, they are the ones that you need to pay attention to most of all, for they will point you back to God. It was a way in which he was not really settling that debate that happened with the Nicene Creed about his oneness and his his nature, but rather simply declaring that if you want to see the Father look at what Jesus does. It's a key starting point for you and me as well. Clearly, we are not biological 
children, not one of us of God, but all of us have been created in God's image. All of us who have claimed the title of Christian have self-proclaimed that we will act upon that name. We will do so even while knowing that we will be imperfect in that effort. We will never completely get it right. And yet, that essential part of our life as believers lives on as we seek to show in our deeds the love as embodied in Jesus Christ. What that means is that as we look at all that's happening in our world, we are to pay yet again careful attention to what we do. For how do we best show the love of Christ in a time when it appears as if soon Roe v. Wade will be overturned? How do we best demonstrate the love of Christ as we stand up and defend children who continue to be bullied for their appearance, for their actions, for their gender identity? How do we best demonstrate the love of Christ as we move ahead in an election cycle that yet again is showing divisiveness and anger? Those are the kinds of questions. How is it that we embody this love that we have seen in Jesus Christ in how we live and how we care for one another? It's not a way of saying somehow our words don't matter, for clearly they do. Our words can bring about hope, healing, strength, and encouragement. And yet on that day long ago, Jesus was pointing to something else. Another minister put it this way. Does one want to know God the Father? Look at Jesus. Does one want to know the Father's will? Listen to Jesus. Does one want to know the Father's love? Look to where Jesus goes. Does one want to live? Walk with Jesus. On a day long ago, when Jesus was being asked to clarify his identity, his response said to those individuals and to us that an essential part of reflecting our faith always has to be the works that we carry which means that the starting point for us is to keep growing in understanding what Scripture reveals to us about Jesus' life and witness, to keep growing in this ever-conflicted world in which we live, to grow in ways of seeking to demonstrate in what we do our best understanding of what He would do. All in such a way that not only do we celebrate that perfect glimpse 
that we have of his Father in the Son, but that in all the actions we carry out, there will be an ever-growing family resemblance to. Let us pray. We give thanks, O God, for the clear witness that we have of you in your Son. We confess what you already know, namely our imperfect efforts to understand, to embody, and to follow. And so we pray that you will continue to work in and through us. That in our words, yes, also in our deeds, others might come to get the clearest glimpse of the love that we have seen in him. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. Once again, I invite you to check out dtownpc.org for information about our worship and programming for all ages.